Hello, everybody. I am so excited. You guys, I'm like so nervous because I'm talking to a goddess today. Her name is Dr. Carrie Nadu, and I'm going to add her when I can. Um, basically, she is amazing. She treated Steve Carell's daughter, even though she probably won't be able to tell you about it. Um, she's changed the lives of so many families. She is like a pioneer woman and she has so much valuable information to share with you. I just finished her book. It's called The End of Food Allergy. It does have a jacket on it, but my toddler removed it. You guys know Cohen if you've been around more than five minutes. He's my two-year-old who destroys everything. <laughs> But long story short, I'll wait for her to, to pop in, but she co-authored this book with um, with a reporter whose daughter was affected by food allergies, and she, it's really comprehensive. Obviously, most people who would want to read the book would have food allergies. We do not have food allergies, but one of my good friends has a son who suffers from peanut allergies. Um, food allergies affect 1 in 12 children in America and possibly worldwide, and then one in 10 adults in America. So they're incredibly common. I'm sure you've heard of the peanut allergy, like everybody's avoiding peanuts. You can't bring them to school. You can't bring them to church. Um, so it's it's a huge issue for anyone who has to deal with it. Um, but her work is not just limited to food allergies. Obviously, she's an allergist immunologist, so she has a lot of information and tips. And mostly what I want to go over with you today is ways to prevent your child from developing any kind of allergy and how to strengthen their immune systems, especially with cold and flu season, COVID. We want to figure out how to get our kiddos healthy and keep them healthy. Obviously, try to avoid any kind of food allergies in the future. Um, so as soon as she hops on, I will add her. It's literally an insane how many notes I took reading her book. <laughs> I like made copies of a bunch of different pages. Let me see if she's here. Not yet. Um, I was like writing up a storm. A lot of you may have friends or may suffer from gluten, um, allergies, sensitivities, peanut, as I said, egg, um, dairy, you name it. I have a friend who also, whose daughter also has an egg allergy and it's crazy. You, you just like enter a whole new portal where you, where you have to like check the labels of everything, have to figure out if restaurants are friendly for you or not. And so it's, it's a whole other thing. Um, she's on. Um, as I mentioned, she helped Steve Carell's family, so I guess I'll just get into it, and, um, because I know I read her book, so I, like, basically know everything she knows, but, um, so part of her work is that she does clinical studies, so I'll, I'll, I can start because I, I do know some of what she's sharing. Basically, in the past, we've said, don't give your child aged one to two peanuts, especially, but then like other high antigens that would be likely to cause allergies. And so that did not have great data involved and we changed all of the recommendations and it was wrong. And so our allergies have skyrocketed. Hello! Thank you so much for joining me. 
I just did like a little introduction, but I was oh. telling everybody how amazing you are. I just thank finished your book. You. It's wonderful. Oh my gosh. Well, thank um, you for inviting me. It's so great to be part of Stanford Healthcare. I love it. And I know. I was very excited. Yeah. When you emailed me, I thought, oh my gosh, of course we need to support each other and help. So thanks. Yes. And I love it. Like, I'll just briefly get into like, there's so much information on social media, Facebook, as a mom with a baby, I was saying, you need to buy these probiotics, you need to, you know, buy this system to introduce peanuts, this, this and this. And I was like, gosh, this is getting expensive, especially when yeah. there's subscription services. Yeah. And it's hard to know like where to get research supported information. And you talked about this a little bit in your other view, um, Instagram lives, like, yeah, you're hoping people will bring your book to their providers but that's also really frustrating because you would think that someone's pediatrician would be their main source of information yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep absolutely I'm happy to answer any questions today and you know I I really wrote the book because people had been asking me over and over again and we had gotten you know so many people from all around the world and we're lucky at Stanford because people come from all around the world to get their uh, treatments as well as their care at Stanford so because of that, I thought, well, let's just write a book so that the book can come to people. So it's it's in 15 different languages right now, which I'm super excited about. But most importantly, let's help people at home uh, with yes. any of their questions. And you're right. There are so many myths, and we needed to bust some of those myths. And we talk about that in the book. And thanks for reading it. Um, and thanks for inviting me on your show. Because there's a lot of science that's now been done the last 20 years that has been able to improve our understanding. And so the book is all about science. We base everything on scientific data. And then we also talk about how we got there so that people understand that science is a messy process. But importantly is when you're taking care of your babies, you need to know that what you're going to do is really strong and that has good validated studies behind it so that we can be safe. Yes, as you mentioned too, like reading, I don't just, you know, for example, on Facebook, one minute science, you know, it's, it's somebody sharing an article saying elderberry syrup, you need to give your kids elderberry syrup. And then it's like, wait, that's going to make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> like so frustrating. Before yeah, we get too much further, I do want to add a little bit more about your background. So you're Kari Nadu. You've met Steve Carell, but you can't talk about it because you treated his daughter. Um, you're a physician, an allergist, a researcher, an author, and a mother of five. So you're like basically my hero in life. No, like my husband's my hero. He does a lot of work. That's amazing. So you guys, like, I was, I was literally like, I could literally talk to her for thirty minutes just about time management and how <laughs> she does everything. <laughs> but that's good to know your husband all helps good. you with all yeah. of that. So let's get right in. I told you I have a lot of nurses that follow. I'll make the audio of this accessible so people can listen as a podcast, and I will type up notes afterwards. So. Oh, feel free. I want to cover as much ground and pick your brain because, and I literally have never been so nervous to do an Instagram live because I oh. was like, what is in her brain really will change lives. And oh my gosh, you know, people can suffer for their whole lives being afraid to go to a restaurant that it's going to kill them. And with what's in your brain, like you can help share information that can prevent oh. that. And so I'm just very excited. And I, I mean, first of all, never be nervous like I just feel so blessed to know this but it takes a team effort and um, it it does take a lot of motivation here you have a beautiful family and I love your photos on Instagram and great great information that you're giving so thanks to you for getting information out to the world to help others 
Oh, great. Awesome. Well, hopefully, I know Instagram is not a great place to get health information, but I love that people like you and I try to help connect people on Instagram with people like you so that they can actually get research supported information to make decisions for their family on Instagram, which is great. Um, so I talked a little bit about how prevalent it is that basically um, peanuts, we, we said avoid them and that made allergies get a lot worse because people hadn't had them. So now we have a huge allergy problem in the United States. Um, and let me just crank through the questions that I sent you. I'll just go in mostly in order. I have a few that I added, but you, you wrote yeah. the book, so I won't throw you for any, any loops. Yeah. Um, first of all, everybody's very worried about COVID and you work with the immune system. So as I talked about elderberry syrup, for example, like besides the usual answers, you know, get, make sure your kid's getting enough sleep, make sure they try to eat as much food diet as possible, which is really hard with a toddler, I have to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> food and sleep and exercise is there anything else we should all be doing right now to make sure our kids immune systems are like up and running super strong exactly so you know we're dealing in my life i deal with two epidemics deal with covid on one side and we need to make sure we're careful and maintain you know close uh if we're going to be close to someone make sure we wear a mask and six feet away and hand sanitizer on the other side i deal a lot with epidemics and food allergy and because a lot of people have studied what causes food allergy, we now have it within our recipe book for how we can try to prevent them, which is great. So I talk about those five Ds in the book, but importantly, people really don't know this. And you're right, pediatricians are very well-meaning, but because the guidelines have switched almost 180 degrees, it's really tough for pediatricians now to trust what's coming out of the data. And now we do have strong facts before Everyone's being told to delay, delay, delay the, um, the use of peanut or egg or milk or shrimp in children, but you don't need to do that anymore. You really need to first find the diet. So because we know what potentially causes food allergy, we now know how to prevent them. So for example, for your toddler, and it can happen at any age, there seems to be a sweet spot when you're younger, but even... Me, I take my little um, foods every day so that I can make sure that I don't get a food allergy when I'm 90 because I've seen plenty of my patients that come in and they say, well, I've eaten shrimp for my, my whole life and now I'm 90 and I all of a sudden have a shrimp allergy. So I want to make sure that we train the gut and we train the gut so that we don't get food allergies ever. So one of the ways to do that is to give yourself a mixture of proteins every day. And that's what I talk about in the the book is diversity of diet so there's a way to do that gently and with small doses and we actually patented something out of stanford and created a company which is great and so i looked for that online i couldn't find it what is it oh okay called? it's called before brands and the product is spoonful one spoonful okay i did find that yeah. i wasn't sure what no problem no okay. no problem so i'm really you know i'm grateful here i am talking to stanford folks uh, a lot of you are and a lot of you might not be but there are many companies out there thinking about how to have a product that helps reduce the risks of allergic reactions. So that's great. So that knowledge is now moving the field forward. So diversity of diet. Then dry skin. More and more kids are being born. I don't know if your toddler has dry skin, but more and more people are born with dry skin now, unfortunately, and that's probably because of the detergents that we use. So making sure that you use detergents that are healthy for the planet, those are the detergents that are healthy for your child. Can we so, just get frank? Is, does that mean like, that was one of my questions later about detergents. Does that mean like we should just use 
seventh generation. Like, I know you're not endorsed by any brand. No, like... I, no, I don't. <laughs> I, whatever you choose, make sure that it does not have any proteases in it. The proteases actually chew up your skin, and especially baby skin. So there's oh, certain no. detergents that it'll say, it'll oh. say on the ingredient list if there's proteases. So you want to avoid those for sure. Okay. Um, and you want to avoid detergents that uh, have something called triclosan in them. They, okay. That induces allergies. And, you know, it's hard because those companies have not been regulated to the degree by which you would think they should just remove those things, right? Because it's been proven that they're harmful to skin and could induce allergies, but they don't. So <laughs> then it becomes our um, opportunity uh, to make sure as parents that we read those labels and protect our kids. Um, the other thing we talk about in the book is this dry skin that to use good emollients, you know, and the thing that science has shown us is what's missing. The typical child that has eczema and adult, their skin is kind of broken. And so there are certain natural fats that that skin is missing. And it's not wax. It's not petroleum jelly. The mm -hmm. thing that that skin is missing is like a natural lipid called ceramide. And so if you use lotions like Cetaphil and CeraVe, that actually replenishes the natural lipid that was missing in your dry skin. Ooh. So we go through that in the book. Like when you're going to use lotions, make, use lotions that actually make sense to take a skin barrier that's disrupted and make it whole again. That'll also reduce food allergies. The other thing we talk about is dirt having access to good dirt. Uh, there's a lot of people that grew up in farms that are relatively protected from food allergies, and that's really cool. Our colleagues, when the wall came down between West and East Germany, East Germany was full of agricultural community. West Germany wasn't so much, and so they realized that the East Germans had really low food allergy. And so then they realized that by living near a farm, it was actually protective. So if you can grow up with a dog, I don't know. I, I saw in your pictures that there was a little dot. Yeah, exactly. I've got so, one little D right here. All right. Well, that D really helps because they bring in good dirt and they live oh. places. And so um, it's those animals that go back and forth from the outside to the inside that bring in good dirt, lick our faces, especially in the first year of life. That really helps to protect. I, know I did not put weird, that together. I thought maybe like their dander would prevent you from being allergic to dogs. Oh, I didn't. We think it's their microbiome. Oh so yeah, God. those are some of the Ds. But you know, what's so cool is that knowledge and science has helped us now come to a level where we can really try to prevent food allergies and allergies and help children as early as your little one. But as, as no. old as a 90 year old, like, our immune system is amazing. It's always being educated, so we can educate it as we move along. Which, I mean, most of what you said is still possible during COVID. I think about, um, so you talk a little bit about the hygiene hypothesis, or a lot yeah. of it, um, which to me is like, God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. And then also <laughs> the five second rule. So I guess for anybody who probably most people wouldn't know about it, um, could you just explain a little bit what that is? And then, like, how do we, um, I guess dogs, obviously, is a way that we can get kind of dirty. But how do you balance between yes. COVID, sterilizing our groceries, you know, 
using like at one point uh somebody i was with who's in my family um had like hand wipes and they were like do you want some and they were literally like putting them all over and i was like i think these are actually um like bleach wipes for for like, <laughs> like cleaning things but we're all just like bleaching our faces because oh, we don't exactly. want to get covid yeah um with covid sorry i happen to have this so um the hand sanitizers, right? The ones that are made of liquid alcohol, 70% or better, they're the best because they don't hurt. I mean, they do dry out your skin, but it's mm -hmm. not bleach. It's mm -hmm. not like detergents. It's just plain old alcohol and it'll kill that virus on the spot. So that's good. Wearing masks also got to be done. We need to be vaccinated. All our kids need measles, mumps, rubella, DPT. We need polio we need hepatitis so um and pneumovax so what we do very clearly say in the book is get vaccinated that's not the type of hygiene hypothesis that we're talking about the mm. vaccines are important don't not give your child or yourself vaccines what's important is to know that probably a little bit of good microbiome a little good a bit of good bacteria a lot of fermented foods that helps mm. us have the gut health, the gut microbiome, to create a beautiful mucosal layer, like a nice layer of mucus in our gut that actually helps us protect from lots of things, but including getting a food allergy. So they noticed that people that had a lot of good fermented foods, that had good bacteria from yogurts and other things, that that really did help. And that's the hygiene hypothesis, that a little bit of good dirt did help the gut protect people from having allergies. Viruses don't necessarily protect people from getting food allergies, and vaccines certainly don't cause food allergies. Mm -hmm. So that hygiene hypothesis has to be done with a little bit of twist. It's really mostly for bacteria, and it's mostly for good bacteria. Does that Got help? It. Yes, I could definitely talk to you for a long time about vaccines. I feel like that's obviously a big topic, yes. but um, it's I'm glad to hear you're saying that just or just clarifying that you recommend all vaccines, including the flu vaccine. You don't you think like for our immune system, that's great. Absolutely. And for people that have egg allergies, they can also take the flu vaccine now. So oh, totally fine. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah. Huh. Awesome. Okay. So patients that talk about that, definitely let them know. Yeah. They can... That's amazing. I didn't know that actually. Um, so so you think the five D's are important for just keeping your kid's immune system healthy, even especially during COVID. There's no yeah. supplements. There's no probiotics. You don't think they should be supplementing with anything extra. It's a good question. And I think this is for everyone. You know, we talk about infants because we, we do focus on how to help them so that they, they can be prevented. But this is, this can happen at any point in life and, and anyone. So, um, at any age, so yes, I do think taking fermented foods is good. If you have a milk allergy, the one food item that's out there that has all the good bacteria in it is called Good Belly because oh, it doesn't have any I milk in it. Yeah. Um, so that's a good one. Um, I don't subscribe to these companies. You know, th these are just things that there are some good fermented foods. I know Christopher Gardner at Stanford and Justin Sonnenberg are doing some great research on do you have a high fiber diet? Do you have a really green vegetable diet versus uh, fermented foods. And so they've done so much great research, but it's the diet research that I think can tell us a lot about how to be healthier as individuals, but also healthier in our habits. 
and there are good unintended consequences of that, we realize that those fermented foods help populate our gut with that good microbiome. So um, fermented foods like sauerkraut, yogurt, um, fermented foods from Asia, those are all really helpful. Kombucha. Yeah, kombucha, absolutely. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, I had a patient ask me that actually because we were prescribing antibiotics, and I was, and we were like, I don't know if that counts. But yeah. You think um, yes. <laughs> yeah, when you do, if you are taking antibiotics, it's best to wait until you're done with the antibiotics to actually start taking some kind of fermented food because while you're on it, it'll just kill those. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Gosh, I just learning so much from you. Um, and we're just cranking along and I love that you have already done some, okay, let's talk about introducing, this is what's really like setting. I heard, or I read from the leap, eat and petite study that you can reduce infants developing food allergies or peanuts specifically, I guess, by 80% by introducing early, meaning four to 11 months. Um, so you talk about Stanford has these powders that they've developed. I've seen the ready set food system and then it was really expensive. So I did their like titration and then we started just using like the PB2 powder and you can buy like egg protein powder and dairy protein powder on right. Amazon. So I've been right. like measuring and everything. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you like yeah. for introducing babies to, to food in general? And one other thing, I know you can handle all my questions at once. <laughs> you talk about how it's important like to kind of confuse the immune system and introduce multiple allergens at once. But then I've read a lot of places, even Stanford's introductions recommend introducing new foods every three to five days. Can you elaborate Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to. We are talking to Stanford to, um, to not have that recommendation because it's not needed. Um, it, it actually goes against what our grandmothers used to do. You know, on the farm and many countries do not have the opportunity or the time to do the staging. The staging actually, when you historically came out of the baby food business, they wanted you to start with stage zero, stage one, stage two, stage three. So it became operationally effective in Australia and in the US. And those were some of the two biggest countries that had food allergies start very quickly. And so when you go back in history, and it's not the fault of the companies, it's not the fault of anyone, it's just kind of what happened, but it, there was no reason for it, none at all. Wow. And when you think of what naturally should happen and you think of our gut digestion and absorption, our body, when we are infants, it's meant to test a little stuff here and there. That's what our immune system does. It grabs things from our gut. It likes to test things. So when more proteins are given to any one cell in our body that absorbs and tests these proteins, it's actually better to give it all at once to a cell in the immune system so that cell realizes, oh, this is totally natural. This is nutritious. I don't need to get an allergy against it. It's not just one food coming in. It's a lot of food. So it gets confused, but it also gets desensitized right away. Like, oh, this is normal. Mm. So that's why we developed Spoonful One. In the other companies, they only have three foods, but we put all 16 wow. food proteins in one spoonful. And that's what the patent is, is from Stanford. And Stanford owns 10% of the company. So, you know, I just want to make sure everyone knows there, uh, there's a, a very purposeful um, aspect to this. But, um, and we don't want to have conflict, but I do believe as the scientist that it's better to have all 16 foods instead of just three. And it's better to introduce them earlier and all at once. And then 
you do it for the first year of life, like you were mentioning, the EAT and the LEAP studies really do show that that four to 11 months of age, even beyond that, is helpful. So I worked a lot with folks in the London group, and we're doing a collaborative study right now. But personally and scientifically and from all the data, it's better to give all the foods at once and to give it in small amounts every day to desensitize your body. And that way, it's not too expensive, and it's very easy. And it's not too crazy for new parents, because it just comes in a little teaspoon. Got it. If somebody, you know, couldn't afford that, or like, what recommendations do you have for just somebody who's nursing or doing formula and then wanting to give their baby solid foods? Like, Yeah. So we also know that when you're pregnant and when you're breastfeeding, it really doesn't matter so much what you eat, but you should eat diverse foods like a lot of poor parents put themselves through guilt trip and we talk about that in the book like don't worry like if you if you have a baby with food allergy don't blame yourself you know the, so many babies about 65 percent of them are born without any food allergy history in their family without anything that their parents did um, that was different from other parents so just know that if a baby does have food allergy that is what it is but then there's also treatments and we talk about that in the book too so um, to be careful uh, when you're pregnant, you can eat anything. When you're breastfeeding, you should be able to eat anything. Eat healthy food. That, that's really important. And then when the baby is eating, and if they can't necessarily afford the, the types of foods that are available for preventing food allergies. Or the powder, for example. Yeah, like exactly. if they couldn't subscribe to a powder. Yeah. The better way to do it is to... Um, to try to make sure that your baby gets a little bit of a taste of each different major food item, like a nut, milk, egg, and also uh, like shrimp and fish. So they actually did this in the Scandinavian countries because there, their culture is that they test these things and get the babies to taste it with in between four and six months of age. So just by tasting those foods, not by having to eat a lot of it, mm -hmm. that they were able to show a decrease in food allergy. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm keeping an eye on the time. And sure. I know we're closing in on it when I want to ask you 100 more questions. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what happens if a baby does develop like an allergy? Somebody sent in a question that as they're breastfeeding, their baby has been showing signs that they're really fussy, you know, pulling ears, rash, anything like that. So if they're having some kind of food sensitivity when you're nursing, does that mean that they'll have a food sensitivity or an allergy when they try the foods? Right, great question. Not necessarily. So the best thing to do would be if you think your baby excuse me, is having a reaction to, um, thank you, is having a reaction to a food item. And it might not be a food. It might be something else, right? It's just better to go to the doctor and get tested um, for specific foods and the blood testing is okay but get skin testing go see your real allergist so many people are over diagnosed with food allergy these days it's better just to go to a board certified allergist to make sure you know who has an allergy and who doesn't so um, so I would go to an allergist in that case and then know what they're allergic to and if they are truly allergic to something then you should take it out of your diet when you're breastfeeding mm -hmm. but I see that a lot and I, I practice still I practice pediatrics and allergy and adult medicine and allergy, and um, and you'd be surprised uh, how many kids have rashes, and you think it's due to a food, but then it actually turns out not to be. So that's good. Oh, interesting. Okay, so if you're 
kid develop, baby or whenever develops any kind of symptom while you think it's attributed to diet, that you should ask for a referral to a board certified yeah. allergist. Yeah. You'd be okay. surprised how much there's so many false negatives. Yeah. That's and false positives. Let's see. Oh, okay. Can you lastly, baby, um, <laughs> ex I honestly, I still don't to this day, I guess you kind of explained the, the relationship between eczema and allergies. I'm, I still don't 100% understand. Oh, sure. And then in terms of like scented lotions and stuff, um, yeah. I was talking with someone and, and we were saying like, oh, with foods you recommend, you know, using and eating the foods so that you are kind of like desensitizing or like not yeah. preventing an allergy. Like why isn't the same with skin with fragrance, for example? Ah, yeah. But, um, there are many lotions that I'll answer your second question first. So there are many lotions with alcohols in them. Mm. Um, like, you know, I throw out this body lotion, for example, it has alcohol in it and that'll dry off right away. Make sure makes it less greasy and people like those types of lotions, but it's not good to use on babies because it just dries out their skin. So typically lotions are not great to use on babies because they typically have alcohol in them. Creams and emollients are better. Uh, and that's good. So ceramide, Episuram, um, there are some good products out there to replenish the oils in your skin. But I would be careful of the fragrance ones because that's another type of sensitivity. Um, that's not necessarily an allergy, but those fragrances can really just not be great um, to the immune system either. So if you can avoid them, that's better. Okay, but then on the side of um, your first question. And uh, I, you know, I think that's a really um, excellent one. When you think of how our immune system works, our skin is the first protection against anything, right? And in the old days, back, you know, when we were cavemen, um, if we got a mosquito on our skin or a parasite or some stinging sea urchin in the water, the, the first thing our body did was try to get rid of that. And it made mucus and it got red and itchy so that we would know where that mosquito was and get rid of it, right? Or that bee. So mm -hmm. our body has this amazing alarm system in which the minute that something lands on our skin or tries to bite us, we try to get rid of it. Now the skin also lines everything that touches the air. So that means our lungs are full of skin cells. Our gut are full of the same type of skin cells. They might not look exactly the same as our skin skin, but mm -hmm. it's the same kind of theory. So with that, you have this alarming system that makes mucus and makes histamine and makes things red and itchy. And the reason why probably our body did that was to get rid of whatever foreign thing was trying to attack us. But now we have this misfiring. Now our immune system thinks, gosh, whatever lands on our skin probably is bad. And if it lands on our skin and goes deep enough, it's gonna activate this alarm system. And that's mm -hmm. what happens with allergies. Even microscopically, things from the air start landing on dry skin. And if that dry skin is cracked, it gets into the skin. You don't need a stinger of a bee you don't need a sea urchin prong. All it takes is a little dry skin and that allergen, and a lot of allergens are in the environment. You've got pollens, you've got peanut dust from people eating peanut in your household. And if that lands on a baby's skin, that will activate the alarming pathway and that activates allergies. It's very specific to that food. For example, 
in Italy, if I ask my colleagues, well, how often do you see peanut allergy? They'll be like, what are you talking about? They have hazelnut allergies. And why is that? Because most of their people are having hazelnut and Nutella, right? At the, <laughs> at the breakfast table. In, in uh, the Ukraine, it's carrots because what? of the breakfast table and what they have a lot of is carrots. They don't have a lot of peanut butter or Nutella at their breakfast table. So these are things that we've learned. And you'd say, well, why these proteins? Why not coffee? Why not other things that could be in the air? Yeah. And we're still trying to understand why these essential foods, like the top 16 that we have in the spoonful one, why are those the culprits? We're trying to understand that, but there's a lot of similarities between them on the protein level. And, and, and my, I'm a protein chemist by training as well. So I love this stuff because it's, it's a total like nerd, amazing, wonderful, <laughs> joyful work for me because I love this. But from the standpoint of the immune system, they do activate the alarm in pathways when you have dry skin and when you haven't been able to take them in your body. Because if you have dry skin, that's not great. You can try to protect yourself. But if you actually eat those foods, while you have dry skin, the eating of the foods outweighs everything. That creates tolerance. So wow. even with babies with a lot of eczema, if they can actually diversify the diet early, that weighs out the dry skin. That, that prevents the food allergy. Well, always if a baby has a sensitivity, for example, to peanuts or gluten, like does that always lifelong? Um, is there any way to reverse that allergy besides being in one of your clinical trials or doing the immunotherapy? Yeah, great question, Tracy. So, um, yes, uh, there are some ways that kids can naturally lose their allergies. We're trying to look at that right now, like gluten sensitivities and gluten allergies. They're a little bit different. We talked about that in the book. But, yes, there are ways to kind of help yourself. We're looking at identical twins. Uh, and with the identical twins, if they both have food allergy, how one might lose the food allergy and one might not, and then why one gets a food allergy and one doesn't. So it's really cool, and we love that work at Stanford. We work with the ITI and Mark Davis on that. So it's very exciting. We don't have all the answers yet, so your questions are excellent. But we're going to get there, and we're going to get there together through teams at Stanford and other institutions around the world. So I love your questions because they inspire me to make sure that where our research meets those questions, and we deliver on the hope and promise of science. Got it. I think, I mean, from your book, though, um, the message is that there's help. And I, yeah. and you really say like, you know, people with food allergies don't just have food allergies. They really suffer from food allergies yes. because anytime they step outside of their home, it's like their safety is compromised and yeah. any little thing can literally cause them to die. Yeah. So um, your book yeah. is really important. As I said, I don't have food allergies, but I, I have close friends who do. And so your work is so important. And um, if anyone does have food allergies, my two-year-old I don't know where the cover went. Um, <laughs> you can get your book. <laughs> um, and you have a lot of resources online and all of the articles that you've done for Stanford, for example, have been really helpful. And I think basically to summarize for people who maybe don't have food allergies or who, who have young kids, it seems like basically you need to really strengthen all of your mucosal skin barriers with the outside. So don't use harsh detergents. Um, use, what is that word? fermented foods to help yes. your gut and, and yes. use a very diverse diet, yes. get a dog. So if your husband's been like, no dogs, it's time to use this <laughs> evidence-based. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> You're like, it's an evidence-based purchase. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
And definitely, I we rec I work in the dermatology clinic sometimes, and we really recommend within like three minutes of getting out of the bath using a tub, so like CeraVe or Eucerin, yes. just like slathering it and making sure to do it within three minutes of getting yes. out of the bath. Um, is right. that similar to what you? Okay. Pat dry. Don't you know? Take that moisture, lock it in. It's a good Got thing, it. and do it naturally with natural lipids that are there to begin with in your skin. Just replenish them. So yeah, it's great. And I'm, I'm glad we could talk today. And I'm happy to answer any questions that you have uh, and that your group might have after this. Thank you so much. I did have one more question that personally I wanted to ask. Just about like fragrance in the home. Do you have any thoughts on like, should I be buying more candles or is my candle uh, habit not? Yes. You know, it's hard. I love candles too. Uh, they do emit a lot of paraffin and, and what we call volatile organic compounds. My other area of research is to understand pollution and things in the air, and especially with wildfires and what we recently had to go through mm -hmm. in the Bay Area and the West in general, as well as just around the world with wildfires. So, and, and sometimes the people that can smell those fragrances and get a headache right away, you know that they're not great for some people. And yeah. for babies, it's hard to know because they can't necessarily talk to us. So, I, you know, it's hard because humans have been growing up around candles for thousands of years, right? So to the extent that you can not have tons of them around, that's great. To the extent that you can avoid those fragrance makers, because some of them do have not great chemicals that emit the fragrance, that would be awesome. But I can't tell people to not use candles. Right. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> Well, thank you so much. So you okay. do see patients in your clinic. So if people yeah. wanted to, could they ask for a referral to you or how does sure. that work? Well, yeah, I have a pediatric clinic that Stanford has up in the city in San Francisco. I do that. Mm -hmm. And then you can find that online. And then for my adult clinic, it's in Portola Valley in our Stanford Alpine Road clinics, which mm -hmm. I love. That's such a nice clinic. I saw a doctor out there and I was like, I feel like we're in Switzerland. <laughs> exactly. Like, we're the horses. Yeah. Yes. So um, thank you very much, you guys. It's really great to be here. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you. You're wonderful. I really you've like put me right at ease. And I just I feel like you're such a wealth of information. And I love I'll type all of this up again. So nobody okay. worries if you miss something. But the five D's and you know, Beatrice is just our lifesaver, my dog. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> good lifesaver. All right. Well, good to see you. Thank you so Have much. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. Thank Happy you. Thanksgiving. You too, thanks. Bye, thanks.